Welcome to Improv Interviews. I'm Margo Escada, psychotherapist and improviser. And today I have a really stellar guest with us. His name is Paul Ballancourt. And he's he's done a lot of podcasts. So this one we're going to try to make make up stuff and do something entirely different. He's the author of the wonderful book, The Triangle of the Scene. And I was actually able to take a class with him when he substituted for Jay Suko. So having all said all that, how are you today, Paul? I'm doing great. Thank you. I'm talking about improv, my favorite thing. So it can't be too bad. No, it won't be too bad. So um, you've told your improv story to a lot of people. Um, have you talked about your childhood much? Because I am a therapist and <laughs> oh. I like to, you know, uh, explore the brain. Have you talked much about your childhood and what led I have you not. There? All right. So let's talk a little about your childhood, your family. Oh gosh. I should get some and- tissues ready. Okay. That's all right. <laughs> I've got some here. Here, take them. Okay. Perfect. Thank you. Okay. You're welcome. So let's just start, if you can, with your childhood. And please, if, whatever you want to share is okay. Whatever you don't want to share is okay. And then how it inspired you to become the artist that you are today. It's interesting. I, I mean, looking back, I sort of feel in a lot of ways like it was a total left turn for me to, to get into improv, really, in a lot of ways. I, um, my parents were sort of regular um, non-performers, non-artistic people. My mom worked a ton of different jobs. She worked in a like a school cafeteria kitchen for a while. She worked as a office manager in a office supply store, just a lot of different things. Um, but she always sort of tried to work, especially when we were young, she always tried to work at times when she would be home when we were home. So she was on like a school schedule. So when we were off school, she was off school. So that, that was really nice. It very, um, looking back, I realize now what a what a gift that was, because now it's really hard to do that. And my dad worked for the government. I can't say more. No, I'm just kidding. He was a federal auditor. And so we moved around a bunch for his, um, for his job. I don't know if you know how the government works, but to get promotions, you kind of go where the promotion is. So if you're like a GS 14 and you want to get to like a GS 15, and that's like in Kansas, then you move to Kansas. So as a kid, we moved around a ton and then we basically landed really in um, <clears throat> in Maryland, and that's where I went to high school. That's kind of where I, I think that I'm from, mostly is Maryland, because that's where we were the most. I went to high school there. I went to college there, and uh, that's where I discovered improv at, at college. Oh, I should say also I'm adopted, too, just for people out there. It's, it's, uh, it's awesome. If you're thinking about adoption, I really, I really recommend it. Oh, I do too. My brother has adopted two wonderful children who are young adults now. So it's fantastic. Now being adopted, did you ever have any inclination to search for your birth mother? Here's the crazy thing. No, I never did. And then a couple of years ago, um, my wife and I decided, oh, let's do uh, 23andMe because I didn't really know anything about my medical history or anything like that. And through that, I found out that I had, I saw that I had a half brother. And so I reached out to him and we've sort of been in very sort of tenuous contact. His mother, my mother is still alive. Um, but it's very, it's a, as you can imagine, a complex uh, negotiation to sort of uh, start that relationship. But uh, it's been, it's been interesting. It's been interesting. I bet. I have several friends who've been adopted and one of them has made contact with her biological mother and they, they and her um, 
siblings, half siblings or whatever, have, have made a wonderful contact and enjoy each other very much. But every yeah. family is different. Every family is different. For sure. I know that my brother has a has a brother and a sister and they have not reached out to me at all. He reached out to me after I reached out to him through 23andMe and his, his mother, my birth mother, has not really sort of um, been in contact with me, but that's fine. I mean, I understand it must be really complicated bunch of feelings about that. And 55 years later, like, oh my gosh, what's, <laughs> who is this person? Oh my gosh, like a stranger. So, so uh, yeah. So when I was in, uh, when I was in Maryland uh, at living in Maryland, I went to high school there at uh, Anne Arundel senior high school, shout out to wildcats. And um, I, that's when I got into the drama club, which I suppose is my first sort of um, step towards becoming an improviser. And that itself was kind of a weird thing because by nature, I'm sort of a shy person, sort of introverted. Um, but my my mother <laughs> who raised me was like, oh, you're so dramatic. You should go out for drama club. And I was like, I'll show you, I will. And so I did. And so, uh, yeah. <laughs> so did you stay at that school the rest of high school because you were moving around a lot and often you were the new kid in school? Yeah, I was lucky in the sense that like, um, I think sort of like in middle school, we sort of landed in Maryland, like permanently. And so when I was a kid, we moved around every four years for a while. But then by the time we got to middle school, I kind of landed in, in the middle school. So middle school and high school was one continuous journey for me, which was good. Because I feel like those friendships are harder to forge and probably more important, I think, sort of in the long run. But but some, but some uh, sometimes I'll talk to people like, oh, yeah, this is my friend from second grade. I'm like, no, I have no one from second. The earliest friend I have is from, is from high school. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. so the, you started drama in high school. Yeah. And do you remember the first play, the first uh, role that you had? Sure. I was, um, I was in Midsummer Night's Dream. I played the role of Snug the Joiner, one of the mechanicals. Wonderful. And how about next? Were you ever in any musicals in high school? I was. Our drama teacher uh, wrote a musical based on this uh, this Greek play called the Manikmai, which is about two twins. It's sort of the beginning of the idea of two twins separated at birth that then sort of meet up later. And so he sort of wrote a, a Greek sort of version of that. And me and my friend, uh, John, were the two twins. We were the lead the lead. Um, guys and so we were, I was in that musical I think I was in another musical not a really great musical singer but um I think that one I'm trying to think if there's that's the one I oh and also I was in another musical but I did not sing <laughs> I played a, a I was in a musical called Little Mary Sunshine oh yes I know that absolutely that's terrific I was I was her her Native American father which at this time would burn the place down but <laughs> At the time, we absolutely, were yeah, yeah. Times have changed since we were in high school. That's for sure. Yes, yes, sure. for sure. Now, the the college that you picked. Why did you pick? Uh, and tell me the college again. I went to University of Maryland in College Park. Shout and, out to Terp, Terp, the Terps. And what did you want to study when you went to college? Um, this is a crazy twist. I studied philosophy when I was in college. Um, because my comedy hero was Steve Martin. And I know that Steve Martin studied philosophy in college. So I was like, well, it worked out okay for him. And, uh, and so I ended up studying philosophy. And um, I also got a, so I got a degree in philosophy and a degree in 
uh, multimedia artistic communications, which was a combination of like how art and communications work together to communicate messages to to people. Wow, that's terrific. I love that. So Steve Martin is one of my heroes, too. And I actually Jeez. got to see him when he was performing the King Tut show around the country. <laughs> it was it was in, I think, Westbury Theater in New York or something. So uh, have you ever seen him live? Uh, no, but I met him when I went to uh, years and years ago. When I first moved out to L.A., I got to go to the Aspen Comedy Festival, HBO Aspen Comedy Festival. Our group was doing improv there. And um, our manager at the time knew how much I love Steve Martin. And then I got to meet him. And I was like the most like like I was meeting the Beatles. I was like, what? I'm, like, I'm a such a fan. I was, like, oh my. I was like literally on the verge of tears. I was like, he must have thought I was a maniac. <laughs> but uh, I was just so overwhelmed. I was so thrilled to meet him because I had just so many things and so much of like the way that I think about comedy and approach comedy comes from him and how I just love how he was so smart and yet wacky at the same time and um, I recently read his his uh, um, Born Standing Up which I thought was great and all of his other uh, sort of narrative uh, ventures I thought were amazing and just really interesting it's just such a complicated not complicated complex sort of character who's sort of wacky on the outside and sort of the soul of a poet on the inside shop girl especially i really enjoyed the um yes. the book i thought it was so lyrical and just quietly and just really affected me in this in this way that i didn't expect after reading cruel shoes which i really loved for its own own reasons and pure drivel which i really loved um this uh this uh, shop girl really what i thought was lovely so just a tiny little volume and some some chapters are just like um like one page long and just like so lovely. I really, really enjoyed it. So great. Yeah, me too. So, hey, that's something we have in common. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you spoke about your approach to comedy. So what is your approach to comedy? Well, I, I think that's sort of my approach. I mean, not to get sort of too highfalutin about it, but I like- Oh, I no, like be smart highfalutin. <laughs> no, you, you are highfalutin. Go ahead, be that. I, uh, I- I really like smart comedy. I really like, um, there's, uh, I just love it when it's like you sort of get extra bonus out of it for for knowing something. So, I mean, I like a, a wacky comedy as much as the next person, but I really love like, there's this show on NPR, see how it goes, how high flute and all right, called Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, which I really love. And I, I just too. think it's like, I just think that's really interesting and sort of it's comedy, but it's about the news and it's like this sort of thing. and. Um, you know, I really used to love uh, Big Bang Theory because it would just sort of like would dip through these these uh, sort of really nerdy areas and uh, and like that. I know that some people like and when I improvise, I try to play, as we say, off the top of my intelligence. And that was really one of the things that really struck me seeing my first improv show was like, wow, you can really bring your whole self to it, like everything, you know, and everything. And it was really sort of like it was this big invitation to bring your best self to it. And so that's kind of what I like about it. And that's kind of what I try to do when I do my, when I work or play doing improv is to try to bring my best self to it, my highest self and try to, you know, really use everything that I got and not, I know some people like to play more blue or whatever. That's not really my style. Um, I like to be sort of uh, just do it like that, like sort of off the top of my intelligence. That's, that's what I like more. And I've been in shows where it's gone blue and I'm just like, ah, 
I don't have the tools for this. <laughs> or too much conflict, too much anger. That's one of the things. Yeah, and, and, I, and I don't mind, conflict and anger, I, I don't mind as long as it's sort of coming from somewhere. You know what I'm saying? It's grounded in something. Yes. But it's like when it's like a lot of like, you know, just like quote unquote dirty stuff for the sake of being dirty or shock, quote unquote shocking. Like that's not my jam. I don't really, that's not really what I like to do. So That is correct. And <laughs> I'm looking at your book right now because the titles yep. are amazing. We will maybe talk about your book. Everybody okay. that's improv should get this book, buy this book. It's hardcover or Kindle and yep. Triangle of the Scene. Um, and it has wonderful stuff in it. And the class I took with you did Triangle of the Scene. But let's get back to you, although I could talk okay. about me forever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, uh, are you are you are you in a regular performance group now? Or what's your life now? I know you have a family, so I do, I do. Um, at the moment, as we're sort of coming out of the pandemic, I think, I hope, um, I'm not in a I'm I'm in a group called Beer Shark Mice, and but we yes. haven't really. Oh yes, I love them. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> have you have you seen Beer Shark Mice? Oh yeah, on on online, I've seen you know YouTube's of the show. Yeah. Oh okay. Yeah, so um, so that's my group that I'm in now. But um, I and then I also, <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't. Oh my gosh! No, go ahead. <laughs> that's how it was meeting Steve Martin, exactly like right. that. And um, uh, so I, I'm in that show, and then I also do a solo show called Man versus Movie. And um, but right now I'm not really performing. I'm working on a couple of TV shows. One I'm a, like a senior story producer on, and the one that I'm developing with a production company. It's sort of an improv based TV show. So I'm working on those things and writing and hanging out with my family and doing a little bit of improv online teaching and this sort of thing, as you know. And now have you done acting on TV at all or film? Yeah, yeah. I've been in a couple of things. Sure. Have you been on? Well, tell me what you've been on. Um, oh my gosh, let me think. Uh, I, I was think on a, David who improvises a lot, but then yeah, unfortunately, no, I, I really haven't done any improv on TV uh, really. Um, I've been in a couple of web series that friends of mine have produced and, um, I was on a show called sister, sister, uh, for uh, an episode, just like regular working actor stuff, a little bit here, a little bit there on an episode of the Drew Carey show, like just a little bit of this and that. Well, that must've been fun working with Drew Carey and, uh, Ryan, right. And yeah. I, you know what? The crazy part is like the, the part that I was in was, um, really small and I didn't really have any interaction with them really at all like that would have been great for sure but it was like when I first moved to LA and it was just like a really I don't even know if I had a line but I was just in the in the bar I was in the bar with them that's all right a friend of mine was on the Curb Your Enthusiasm and even though it's supposed to be improvised when they were getting ready to shoot uh Larry came over to my friend and said now do it this way <laughs> right for sure for sure I think it's a that's a really interesting um that's something I've really been fascinated by is, is scaling improv through television. Like, what's the best way or how can we capture improv on TV? And there's lots of different models. And the, the Curb Your Enthusiasm model is one that I really done a deep dive on. But there's a lot of different ways to do it. But yeah, I've had friends who've done it who've had different, all different kinds of experiences with, with how much and how free and how controlled and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. So, um, I suggest, I made a suggestion before we started today that we might play a two-person scene. Would sure. that be something that you'd like to do maybe? Sure, no worries. Okay, hang on one second. Um, okay, great. 
Um, so uh, you're the master and we could do whatever. I don't care. You can tell me what game you want to play or a scene game. Um, let's just, just want to do a scene, like a little scene. We'll sort of get like a, I'll just look around my room and find a yes, suggestion of yes, something. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you were so fun to play with. <laughs> Yeah, let's just do it. Let's just do a scene. I don't think we need a whole game. We can just do simple something simple. Let's say um, the suggestion will be um, uh, mailbox. Okay. Hey, Carol. Hey, Bob. Getting your mail, I see. Yes, I always get good mail on Tuesday, you know. Wow, that's awesome. I come out and check my mailbox every day, but... Never anything in there. Oh, never anything in there? Well, a bill from time to time. It's hardly mail, though, you know? Oh, that must make you feel so... You look very sad right now to me. Yeah, yeah. You know what? But when I see you get your mail and you take it out, it's like a little... It's like a party. It's like opening a present. And there you go. Hey, look what I got. Mail. Well, it is like a party. And we've got the best mail person here Cynthia and um yeah. sometimes she puts little gifts in, that she gives me like some balloons mm. to blow up or sparkles you don't get that from Cynthia no I think Cynthia doesn't like me for some reason I don't know oh. I've tried to send her letters I'll put a letter in there Cynthia mail person nothing I don't know I guess I'm just I'm just gonna be like a solo that's that's my that's my destiny, I guess. Just solo, Bob solo. Well, Bob, I don't see many visitors coming to see you. Yeah, yeah. You could visit if you wanted. I oh. just live next door. Oh, uh, that's right. Hmm. Uh, that's an mm. interesting thought. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. Yeah, Bob. yeah. I just I just bought a whole ham from Honey Big Ham Store. And maybe I, I, that's a lot of ham for one person. It could easily be two people. I don't, you know, if you want to come over like later, we could have some ham and just see kind of whatever. Well, that's really a nice invitation. And I, I got to tell you. Great. How about like seven? Does that sound good? <laughs> I, know, I noticed, I noticed you don't really leave after seven. Maybe you're around after seven. We could, you know. Just get together. You like to watch The Bachelor? I have a TV. We can watch The Bachelor. I do like The Bachelor, but after seven o'clock, I start my meditation and I meditate for about four hours. Okay, so 11. I'll see you at 11 then, maybe like late dinner, like European style. I can TiVo The Bachelor. We can watch it after. That's cool. I love this plan. This is really coming together. Oh man, this is great. This is the best day of my life. I don't oh, even need okay. mail now. I feel like I feel like I got mail from you. <laughs> oh this is so wonderful i'm so happy you're happy because i rarely see you smile and you've got this yeah. smile on your face and yeah. i gotta tell you i'm a vegetarian oh that's cool i can make a salad i have a also in a, a well good as a twist i got like a vegan ham too so we could do like you know side by side ham ham regular ham and vegan ham and uh, i'll just i'll i'll call it a, a hamtastic evening starting at 11 oh, uh, just you and me, I'll, you know, just whatever, casual, nothing, no big deal. Okay. So like the Hamtastics. 
Yeah, yeah, totally. You and me, the Hamtastics. I don't know if you know, one of my hobbies is is uh, silk screening t-shirts. Maybe, maybe I don't know if I'm inspired. Maybe I'll make a t-shirt about it. Hamtastics, like one for you. You're like, what? Uh, you're, are you a small? You seem like a small. Oh, you're so kind. I'm an extra, extra large. <laughs> extra, extra large. Great, great. No, I can, I can get that. No worries. Get ready. I mean, wear a shirt. You can wear a t-shirt over for tonight. <laughs> Oh, I will. And I'll feel pretty safe with you. I, I do want to bring my dog with me. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, totally. Bring your dog. He can he can share some of my ham. Um, that's fine. I'm, I love dogs. Oh, that's great. Because, you know, he is a, uh, you know, he's a full blood uh, Doberman pincher. Oh, great. Awesome. Um, he guards me. He, he's not, he doesn't Perfect. like sudden moves. No, so. no. The good thing is I always move very slowly very slowly that's people said that hey hey can you speed up a little bit i'm like no can't do it just move slow that's me slow and steady bob that's what they call me slow and steady bob yeah well i think i would like to get to know you better and i don't care what the neighbors say about you what oh, are, there, are the neighbors talking about me well occasionally i'll Oh, that's great. That's great. It's just nice to know that people are thinking about me, honestly. Sometimes I feel like people don't even know that I live here. Well, I think that maybe my house is abandoned. My house is not abandoned. I live there. You know, it's not abandoned. I know that you live there, and especially when I meet you at the mailbox, I know you're in our complex. But, you know, some people have said things like, what's up with Bob? Uh, he always looks so sad. And, and there's always this smell of ham coming out of his house. That's right. They really nailed me. That's me. That's me in a nutshell. Maybe when you wear your Hamtastic t-shirt around, people will ask and, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe add some people to the, to the Hamtastics. I'm, I'm cool with that. You know, I just wrote a song about the Hamtastics. Oh, great. Are you yeah. going to sing it? Well, if you want me to, I can sing. Of it. course. Of course I do. <clears throat> Hamtastics. Hamtastics, they make your gut kind of sticky. Yeah, Hamtastics, Hamtastics, take your chances with Bob. Oh, you know what? I I just remembered. I I have something tonight. I I unfortunately I think I'm gonna have to cancel. Man, this is a real twist. Um. Okay. Uh. Bye. Oh, okay. Bye. See you later. <laughs> oh that was a lot of fun that was so much fun thank you for that wow sure no worries thank you that was really fun i just love playing improv and and i just love people i, I love a lot of improvisers you know especially happy improvisers and improvisers are good people yeah so i understand now you probably talked about this before i won my podcast with you to be so unique but i do know that you happen to study with some significant names i'm gonna name sure. drop so you study when did you study with del close what kind of state was he in um great great he was uh super creative at the time. Um, I actually sort of really feel like I got very lucky because uh, I sort of moved to Chicago kind of like on the long-term quest of studying with Dell. And uh, that ended up shaking out really. And it was really fun. Uh, he was in a really super creative time in his life because we started with, um, when I first got to the IO in Chicago, we just had the Herald. And then by the time I left, he, he and the family had created the deconstruction, the impressionist horror, the movie, the solo herald, like a bunch of different 
forms in the family, the, this team was doing like um, these shows, these evening of improv shows where they would do like three, three forms in an evening, like back to back to back. It was really amazing. And, um, and then he coached another team, I think called the Lindbergh babies. And they created a bunch more new forms. And I remember being in his class and we were experimenting with some stuff that eventually kind of shook out to be part of the Armando Diaz theatrical experience and Hoot Nanny show. And it was just really great. I feel like I got a really uh, lucky time slice of him where he was like at the height of his powers, like creatively and also pretty much sober and really like there for the work. So that was really, wow. it was really great. It was really uh, a lucky time to be. And also as a consequence of that, like I was also, um, uh, I don't know if you have ever read this, uh, any books about excellence of how things get excellent. But one of the things of the, how excellence um, grows is by the, the, the spontaneous sort of creation of hotbeds. And so at the time, the IO was like a hotbed. It was attracting like a talent from all over the place. And so it was, I was really lucky to be there at a time like I was there at the same time as like my girlfriend's roommate was Amy Poehler. She was on the first team that I ever coached and her and Tina were on the team together. And then Matt wow. Besser and 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 I got to know each other. I was in a show that he directed. And then Neil was on the family and Adam McKay, and like all these guys were there at the same time, Ali and Pete and uh, Miles and um, Ian, all these guys were there. And uh, we're just like, it was like this super like exciting time. And every day was something new. Every day was something different. So it was a really great time to be there. That is terrific. For me. Oh, yeah. So um, now had you also worked at, studied at Second City as well? I did, uh-huh. Is that yes. before or after uh, Dell? Before. Before. I actually moved. I was going to go to, I went to graduate school at Northwestern. And at the same time, I was taking class at Second City. That was sort of like how I sort of got into it in Chicago. I started Second City. And then uh, when I graduated Second City, it was about the same time I was wrapping up my graduate degree. But I had the opportunity to direct the Meow Show, which is the big improv show on campus at Northwestern. And so through that, I met a bunch of great people that, I, that I've been friends with for years. And one of them was Ed Herbstman, who um, started the Magnet Theater years ago in New York. And he was like, oh, you got to go to I.O. Like, what are you doing? You just got to go to I.O. I was like, okay, great. But at the time we were saying Improv Olympic, that's what it was at the time before the Olympic Committee said right, cease and right, desist. Right. <laughs> um, it was like, you got to go to the Improv Olympic. So I was like, okay. And so I went to the Improv Olympic and that's how I got to study with Dell and do that whole thing. That is fabulous. And are you part of I.O. West or were you part of I.O. West? As well? uh, I was the founder of I.O. West. Yes. OK, <laughs> well, that's pretty highfalutin, I got to say. <laughs> well, I, you know, when I was living in Chicago, I'd sort of done everything that I kind of that I could do in Chicago. And uh, I was thinking about moving to L.A. and I, you know, spoke to Sharon. And I was like, has, has anyone ever thought of like franchising this business? And she was like, what? Well, I, I don't know, maybe or whatever. And then like a couple months later, I was in LA starting the IO West. So it's beautiful. So what did you get your master's degree in at Northwestern? Uh, I ended up getting my master's degree in theater. Okay, great, great. And was that an enjoyable process for you? That was great. It was really awesome. I mean, Northwestern was a really fun time. I was, I mean, I feel like I've really been lucky in the times I've been at places, the, the people, I think, you know, sort of the same way that I chose the University of Maryland College Park was like, I just thought like, you know, it doesn't really matter the school. It just matters the people that I'm going to come, that I'm going to meet while I'm there. And so when I was at University of Maryland, I got into that improv group called Erasable Inc. And when I was at Northwestern, I met, a, I got into 
you know, some really great acting classes and stuff and also met, you know, a bunch of people through meow and stuff. It was really great. So it was a great experience, great experience. Evanston is a great little town and like a college town, really fun to when you're, you know, in your twenties, really fun to live there and stuff. It was awesome. Wonderful. Well, you talked about luck. I don't think there's any luck to it. I think there's work <laughs> and an innate fun, an, sorry, an innate sense, innate sense of uh, laughter and play. You have to love to play if you're going to do improv. I mean, I think. For sure. I, I think sort of it, when I say luck, I mean, it sort of uh, reminds me of something that Dell said that I really think about a lot. And I sort of tell people, especially young people, is that one thing that Dell said to us one day is that when you're young, you got to move around a lot so that the coincidences that in retrospect seem like destiny can find you. And that's like been the story of my life. You know, I happened to be here at this time, like when I was at the Improv Olympic in Chicago, I happened to sort of be like in proximity. Like, as I said, my, my girlfriend and Amy uh, were roommates and Amy's boyfriend was Matt Besser. And so I got to, I was like in contact with him maybe more than I would have been otherwise as basically someone starting out when he was really at the top of the top of the food chain. But then, you know, I, he ended up asking me to be in the show that he was directing and stuff. And, um, and then ultimately uh, I really got this um, super lucky opportunity that when, as people in the family were sort of I think Adam had gone to Second City and stuff. So they were a little bit shorthanded for the show called um, called Dynamite Fun Nest. And so they, Sharna called me one afternoon and she was like, hey, do you want to play with the family tonight? And I was like, oh my God. It was like going from Little League to Major League. I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> I showed up with my button down shirt and a tie on. They were like, what are you doing? I was like, so it was like my first day of school. And But, um, but then I, so as a consequence of that, I got to meet and sort of get to know all those guys and play really at, what I consider to be like the highest levels. And so I just really, it really challenged me to up my game and to learn better and to do better. And then when Matt and Matt and Ian and Amy went off to start the UCB in New York, mm -hmm. um, I sort of inherited Matt Besser's uh, movie class. And I was one of the first of my generation to start teaching. And it was like, all sort of like, but it's like all kind of like these crazy coincidental dominoes, you know? But they're just uh, some people not to get religious say it's God accidents, you know, for sure. It's just meant to happen and meant to be. So, yeah, um, yeah I went to a DCM. Oh, several years ago, maybe 2000. <laughs> well, certainly before the pandemic, that's for sure. Right. And, uh, oh, gosh, maybe six or eight years ago, I think. And it was so much fun in and, New York, in New York. And yeah. then closing show was Amy and uh, Matt and um Oh, the guy that was on Veep. I just loved him so much. Matt. Matt Walsh. Matt Walsh, yeah. And uh, what a thrill it was. It was a great event. And I actually got to be on stage once. And now this is wow. me, but yeah. And I had been improvising, what, two years or something or a year and a half. I don't know. But they asked for volunteers and I jumped up and I didn't know what I was doing. I was like, I just kind of stood there. I remember it was about an office scene, but that's all I remember. But anyway. <laughs> Right. But the best improvisers will sort of reach out and make you look good. You know, Absolutely. make your partners look good. Make your partners look good. And what was it that Dell said about brilliance? Um, uh, if we treat, if we treat each other like artists and geniuses, then we will be. Yes. Yes. That's wonderful. For so sure. now have you ever, ever taken a hiatus from improv? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's hard to say. It sort of depends on what you mean by hiatus. Like, 
have I ever really just sort of broken away and stopped thinking about improv? No, the answer to that is no. But have I ever not been performing? The answer to that is definitely yes. Obviously, over the pandemic, I was not performing at all. And, you know, maybe one or two like online shows here and there. But it's honestly the longest time since I started, probably the longest time I've been without being on stage in my life. But you're on stage now. No, not yet. Still not yet. Not okay. yet. Now, yeah, theaters are just starting to open up here and uh, a bunch of theaters closed. So there's like fewer sort of play opportunities um, as things are sort of ramping back up. But, you know, we'll see. I mean, I'm sure the, the right time will come and it'll it'll happen when it happens. I'm not I'm not worried about it. So uh, back to beer, mice, shark, beer, shark, um, mice. Oh, yeah. Beer, shark, mice. Okay, I know it so well. <laughs> mice, shark, beer. Okay, so um, this may be a dumb question, but you know, there's never a dumb question because it's seeking knowledge, blah, blah, blah. So was there a form that you, a format that, that was being used there? Yeah, for sure. Um, the group uh, actually started before I joined. I joined actually later when uh, Pat McCartney left and went off to New York to uh, yes, all his fortune. Yeah, yeah. And so when he left, they were, again, a little shorthanded. And I had played with some of the guys before. So they asked me to join. And um, the Pete Holney tells it that they basically sort of just came up with this structure called the modified slacker structure. It's now called the beer shark mice. Some people call it the beer shark mice. But it's basically just a modified slacker where the whole piece is just basically tag outs, tag out, tag out, tag out, sort of following sort of whatever seems interesting. And it's not a narrative structure. In fact, it struggles when it tries to be narrative. And it's just uh, sort of exploring the next fun idea. It's like a, really a world building sort of a structure. But it's it's nice because it's sort of really, um, it gives enough support to be something, but, but it really sort of has, is so wide open so that a bunch of guys who've been doing it for years and years have a lot of freedom of how to pursue that. There was one on a submarine, I think. Um, sure. And I, I watched that so many times because, you know, they're in that small and the character changes and everything. And um, I just adore that one. I think that, are you in that one? I don't know. I have to go back and look. I don't recall. I know that there is one. It's so hard. You know, we've done so many. It's hard yeah, to say. Course, I, but I but I remember that one. I remember sort of, the thing is, I don't necessarily usually remember scenes that I was in, but I remember scenes that the other guys were in that made me laugh. So I may remember a couple of scenes I was in, but mostly I remember what other people did that I thought was really funny. You know, some people have difficulty looking at themselves perform on a video afterwards or something like that. Has that ever bothered you? No, not really. I mean, I, I don't, I, sometimes I find it really instructive of like what, what worked when I did the first, very first man versus movie. I definitely watched that back to see kind of like what worked and where I was really working and where I was having fun. And that really helped me sort of um, refine the, refine the form. So that was really super helpful. And every once in a while, if it's something like this, if you post this little scene we did, I'll probably watch that and see kind of what that was like and stuff. And because I think a lot of times, you know, so many with improv, especially so many times you're really in it. And so you're not really thinking about it critically or you just sort of like go into like a fugue state where you don't kind of necessarily remember. So sometimes it's it's fun to watch it back and see like, oh, that's what I was thinking then. Or in fact, I've done on my YouTube channel a few 
uh, few episodes of this uh, show called What Were You Thinking, which is um, basically like where me and another improviser do a scene and then we watch it back and talk about the choices and what we were thinking as we do it. And that's been really fun to do. And people seem, especially newer improvisers, seem to get a lot out of that because it really takes you through the thought process of, of, uh, of people who were, who were doing it, you know? Well, I have to check that out as well. So um, this is uh, this book is wonderful. And actually, even though I thought I had read it carefully, I, there's also a link to videos that accompany the yeah. different lessons. So yeah. um, uh, how long, this is the second edition. How long ago did you write this? Um, quite a few years at this point. I remember I wrote it when my kids were really little, maybe 2000, I'm gonna say 2005 maybe. Okay. And, and how long did it take you to write? Some people take some forever to write and some people yeah. happen. It's um, the weird thing is I wrote it. My wife got a job where she was working in New York for three months. And so I kind of wrote it while she was out of town. I wrote it like in three months, but it's like, you know, it's, it's like, I wrote it in three months, but I sort of thought about it for like 20 years, you know? So once I started writing it, once I sort of got sat down to do it, it didn't take long because I had been thinking about it for so long and I knew kind of really what I wanted to really what I wanted to share. And I think the hardest part was um, just sort of taking something that's so fluid and so loosey goosey when you're saying it to a class and you say like, Oh, and so, you know, when you're doing this, really try to think about this, you know what I mean? And then if they have a question, you answer their question, but when you're writing it, you kind of really need to write it in a little bit more of an exhaustive way so that they don't have a question, hopefully. That you answer, you anticipate yes, and answer the yes. questions that they have. So um, that was a that was a little bit of a learning curve, but yeah, I wrote it in like three months. It was not it didn't take that long, honestly. So um, if anybody hasn't read your book, I can't imagine anybody hasn't read your book. I'm sure there's plenty. Uh, <laughs> but can you just maybe briefly explain the um, the triangle of the scene? Because sure, yeah, sure. So. Um, you know, when we're improvising, a lot of times um, when I was in Chicago, I know one of the things we talked about a lot was what's the game of the scene? What's the game of the scene, right? And so for a long- That always confused What is the game of the scene? Yeah. Right. It's it's a tricky concept for sure. There's a lot of different ways that people define that thing. Some people say, oh, it's, the, it's a pattern. And some people say it's the first unusual thing. And some people say that it's this or that or whatever, right? So, but when I was in Chicago, I, like you, struggled a lot of times, like, trying to find the game of the scene i thought it was like a unicorn hunt like where is it where is it behind this bush is that the game of the scene or whatever so when i started teaching you know i started refining sort of my thoughts and feelings about what the game of the scene was and i realized for me at least that the game of the scene is really sort of a a a, a few elements together and they are like what is your character's game my character's game and then where are we or what are we doing? So the triangle of the scene is basically, what are you doing? What am I doing? Where are we doing it? Or what are we doing it about? And that means your character's game, my character's game, and the activity or the location. Those are the three things that I think you really need to make a scene happen. And so just to sort of really put a bow on it, what I mean by the character's game is like most characters, most comic characters have like a big driving influence that moves them forward, right? So the example I always use is Friends. Have you seen the show Friends? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. Um, it's it's, it's becoming a more dated reference as I go. So I do like to ask people, have you seen it? So in Friends, all the characters have a super clear game that they play. 
Ross is the nerdy one. Tandler's the sarcastic one. Joey's the dumb one. Monica's a control freak. Rachel's a princess. And Phoebe's the spacey one or the ditzy one, right? And they each do that thing. Whatever else they do, they usually snap back in some way to that idea, right? And so, and so you can create a scene by putting two games, two characters in a location and just let them sort of rub rub their games against each other right and then it kind of creates like friction like a fire and then that catches fire and that's kind of what the scene is and the example i always use i think it's the one in the book is let's say ross and and uh and uh, joey are going to renew their driver's licenses it's the it's the nerdy one and the dumb one going to renew their driver's licenses well how does that even as i say that out loud you start to think oh it probably would be like ross is like oh, i made a bunch of flashcards and already i was quizzing myself all night and joey's like how are you doing you know how joey is and it's like they're just like focused on different things but it's just their relationship because every scene is really about relationships so it's like once i know what you do or what your character's game is and what i do what my character's game is then those two things rubbing up against each other creates our relationship and shows our relationship and when you use a triangle of the scene, you always have three things, three possible things to do. I can play my game. I can help you play your game, or we can work the, the activity a little bit. So, because I think that the worst thing, the worst feeling is when you're on stage and you're like, oh my gosh, what do I do next? Right. Right. Your blood runs cold. And you're like, what do I do? And, and having the triangle of the scene, you always have three answers to that question. Well, I could play my game some more. I could help you play your game some more. Or we can work the activity, whatever it is. If it's like making sandwiches, I just go back and make a sandwich for a second. And that'll sort of fill the space. That'll sort of fill the scene, right? I don't have to fill it with talking necessarily, although I could. You know, I can fill it with, I could say something about you. I can say something about me. I can go back to the activity. And just sort of like, it's just like rotating through those things is how the scene gets built. You know? Yeah, I do know. I, I do know. <laughs> because <laughs> I think I had a two-hour class with you on it. Of course, that's just a taster, I'm sure. Right. But we almost in our scene we actually had a um, well we we were at the mailbox. That's the location. And you were a sad, uh, lonely guy. And sure I, was. Well, I don't know who I was, but um, I think you were more like happy-go-lucky, sort of like on the. It was this game was super simple: up guy, down guy. One person's the up guy, one person's the down guy, and then that's kind of it. And that's all you need. You know, that's super right. simple game. You know, and so. And so that's it. And so, you know, it's, it's just that. And so you would, um, you know, you would give me gifts to play my game. Yeah. I, I noticed that you don't have a lot of visitors, right? That's you playing my game. And then I would play my game. Yeah. Yeah. I just, just don't, I don't get out much. No one really comes over and I'm just happy that the neighbors are talking about me. Right. That's me playing my own game. Yeah. Right. And then you're playing your game. You're like, Oh yeah. The, the, the male person leaves me sparklers and balloons. That's you playing your own game right? Me playing my own game. Yeah. My mailbox is always empty or whatever. So that's it. You know, it's just like that. We're, that's how we're building it. And that game is really clear and we kind of know what to do. Our points of view are super clear and we get to play those points of view throughout the whole scene. It's trickier when you don't have something like that, some organizing principle, because the scene's kind of a, about everything and nothing, you know, right. but right now we know our scene's about this. And the relationship, the relationship, the relationship. So it's not about the activity right. or what we're doing. It's totally about you and I or yes. how many people. Because basically we didn't do a ton of, we didn't do per se a ton of stuff, partly because we're on Zoom, but we just, you open your mailbox, I open my mailbox and it kind of starts with that, right? And if we were 
um, if we were live together, then maybe we would engage, the, maybe you would be like flipping through your mail more and like throw some stuff out like, oh, can I have that mail you're throwing out? Whatever, you know, just whatever that thing might be. But it all sort of goes back through those lenses of sad guy, happy woman and, and their neighbors and that kind of stuff. But, but, and that's the relationship because the relationship is not a static thing. Sometimes people, I think, confuse like mother, daughter, father, son, or whatever as the relationship, but it's not, I mean, that's how we know each other, but the relationship is how we relate as a verb, how we relate to each other. Yes. Right. So it can be like domineering mother and passive daughter. It can be domineering daughter, passive mother. That's the relationship. That's how we do it. Right. So, so we need to sort of have those verbs. And that's kind of what the triangle of the scene is about is like, what do I, not what, what am I, but what am I doing? Very specifically, what am I doing versus what am I? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. I have learned so much today. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Now, are you doing any online classes anywhere soon or? Um, I'm not at the moment. Although if everyone just sort of uh, tunes into my Instagram and my YouTube, that's kind of where I announce stuff like that. So um, I'm at what's up with PV, P's and Paul V's and Valencia. What's up with PV on Instagram. And I am, um, you know, YouTube PV improv on, on YouTube. Okay. And in the podcast, I, I posted on my website and I do a whole bio of you with great headshots and all that stuff. So oh, I am, oh, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm not <laughs> worthy. You know, I don't know why I think of this sometimes, but, um, and we're all just people walking our own path, but that Chris Farley skit with um, Paul McCartney. It, oh yeah. You remember, remember that? Is it that, is, is that the one you're talking about? Yeah, I'm not worried. Yeah, about, you know, I, yeah, I just I don't know why I thought of it just now, but that's one of my favorite scenes. I think. Yeah, for, yeah, it's for, kind of like a, there's Wayne's World. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. And Chris Farley just as the as the the movie fan. Remember when you were in that movie? That was, that was really cool. That was really cool. <laughs> yeah, the classics. The classics. Oh yeah. Well, I think you're a classic, and I'm well, so thank you very much. Met you, and I appreciate your time today. And I hope I can get another class with you sometime on online. Maybe that would be wonderful. That sounds awesome. Yeah, that'd be great. I look forward to it. Hey, I want to ask you one more question. And sure. Might be a really simple answer. What brings you joy? What brings me joy? Um, I would say probably first my family. Um, they're awesome. And then uh, I love doing improv. I just love that sort of creative process, the free wheeling sort of aspect of it all. I was telling someone the other day, someone was like, what do you like about improv? Like, that was like the question. I was like, oh my gosh, that's such a great question. Well, what I like about improv is kind of like really when I'm improvising, I feel like I'm at my highest self. I'm my smartest, bravest, most loving, most attentive, most giving self. And I really, I really try, I really love that energy. And I really try to to pull some of those lessons into my daily life. You know what I'm saying? And, and a lot of times when I talk about my beginnings in improv, I really feel like it was like a calling to the priesthood, this very profound moment for me. And it's really sort of been a shaper of my life in a really positive, positive way. And I encourage people if they're in an improv community that nurtures them, you know, if they're not, first of all, get into a community that does nurture you, that does respect you, but then let, let it teach you the lessons that it has. Cause it's 
past getting laughs. It's past being on stage. It's past all of that. It's, uh, you know, anything we love purely is our spiritual practice. And that's sort of how I feel about improv. Yes. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I've recorded it. So I'll be able to listen <laughs> to wonderful words again. I, I just tell you how much I appreciate you. And um, we could talk all day, uh, but we're not going to. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Right. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's really fun. Oh, thank you so much. Um, and thank you so much. It's just been a pleasure. So hope to see you soon, Paul. Okay. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye. Bye.